All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time for the Wally Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. Uh, as always, this show brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot for the most competitive live daily odds. Sportsinteraction.com is Canada's online leading sports book. Uh, and by the way, Math. Had I probably bet last night, I would be down a few dollars. I thought for sure uh, that Tampa would have taken this one. But we'll get into the playoffs in just a second. Also coming up in the show, Drake Batherson, who is now headed over to Europe to play in the World Championships. We'll talk a lot about the World Championships coming up as well, because uh, Matthew and I are very familiar with the tournament. Um, as always, today's guest brought to you by, oh, the cool, refreshing taste of Whitewater Beer. Uh, try the new flavor, Kiwi Lime Sour, Funky Fresh, or... The other new flavor, which is called North South, uh, it is a Nordic Pale Ale meth. I've never heard of Nordic Pale Ale. Have you? No, they've got so many beers that are constantly coming out. Well, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. But no, that's that's one I wanted to try out. It is, it is extremely good. It's like a nice summer evening. It calls for a North South Nordic Pale Ale beer, I'm sure. Uh, and if you aren't sure with my assessment, because you question me all the time, go to the website shopwhitewater.ca and mix and match your order. You can try all kinds of new flavors if you want. Uh, you can get it at the LCBO, but don't do that because you can save 50% by using shopwhitewater.ca. Use the wham-funkyfresh coupon and you're all set. Uh, Whitewater beers brewed by friends for friends. So with that said, let's get on to the show, shall we? Uh, in, at first up, the draft lottery uh, and how it affects the Ottawa Senators. Okay, before we get into where they pick... This is the dullest event that the NHL puts on. 
it is there's no atmosphere there's nothing around it and once the team wins you see you hear nothing it's just and here's your winner the montreal canadians i'm disappointed yeah yeah, no, and I saw your tweet about that yesterday, Wally, where you're kind of calling out how maybe they need fans, but I don't know. I feel like that's complicated. I mean, how it do you is. how how do you get a few fans representing every team that are gonna give you a couple cheers? Like would those right. random like, cheers from five people be awkward? You know what I mean? Like so could you have a viewing party in each city and yeah. when your team is picked, you pump up the audio a little of a I don't know, 50 people in a bar cheering your team. And maybe yeah. you have the other team as well and you hear the booze because I think that'd be a little more fun. It would be. Yeah, a little gamesmanship. And I think right? for me, though, it's, it's, it's funny you say that, though, because typically, um, you know, I'd like to lump on. I'd like to lump in on the NHL, like as far as like sometimes they do some stuff that might come across a little corny. I feel like we're always a step behind some of these other sports. But when it came to the draft lottery, the way they have it set up now, you're avoiding the ping pong ball thing. You're just, yeah. just daily's coming out with the cards. I liked it. Because it was just quick and efficient, like 20 minutes and it's ready and it's it, done. And it you know is. what pick you have. But I feel like it's a Jeopardy final answer. Like, let's go to contestant number one. And what is your answer? Like, it's just very yeah. dull to me. I don't yeah, know what the yeah. answer is, Matt. I, I appreciate that I'm throwing it out. I just wish there was a little more excitement. Like the NHL does some things really well, including the NHL awards, which is better than any do. the other buddy, uh, the other four major sports who just announced it in the middle of the afternoon on some game of a play. Like it just doesn't make sense. Right. I do appreciate yeah. that. I just, I would like them to find a way to add a fake, I don't know, pump in some fake noise for all I care. Just do something. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? We can both agree that it yeah. could be livened up a little bit more, if you will. But yeah. I mean, for me, at least from my perspective, I'm glad they haven't made it this big, long spectacle of a show. It's pretty but, quick. I like enough. that you find out right away. Yeah, I don't anyway. I don't understand all the rules uh, because they just made it a little more complicated this year with all yeah. of a sudden you go. Why, New why Jersey, do they do, can, I, because why, they why do can. they do that? You know why? I, People were upset with Edmonton and New Jersey always getting the first overall pick. And lo and behold, New Jersey now has the second overall pick. <laughs> well, that, that was my, so I'm online yesterday and I'm like trying to break down the math and how they have all the different odds set up and how the sense can't drop beyond seven or whatever yeah. it may be. I mean, I just, it's so confusing for right. no reason whatsoever. It doesn't, anyway. it doesn't have to be that way, but anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. So Ottawa will pick seven. Uh, Montreal yep. will get the first overall pick, which. I'm sure I, I don't really care that they have the pick is what if you're GM Pierre Dorian GM Mark Mathot I'm sure people would get behind this we're going to make it a Twitter hashtag what do you do do you keep that pick or is it time to move it on and bring in some immediate help well and it depends and and I'll preface this with with I don't know anything about any of the prospects beyond Shane Wright I, I I was able to call a game for for the uh, an OHL game between Kingston and whoever they were playing at the time. I think it was Sudbury. It was and Sudbury. Shane played in that game. And yeah, yeah, and he had a he had a quiet game. Like he wasn't that you didn't need in wow me at all. But the timing, they the team had a bit of a layoff, I think, for a bit, and they were all back from injuries and stuff. Anyway, I know he's a I know he's a very good player. And I saw some of the um the one-on-ones that they had with him. We saw it prior yep. to the the lottery yesterday. He's very well spoken, he's a good leader, he's smart. You could tell he's just a passionate player. The comparisons to Patrice Bergeron. Um, you know, that's obviously that's high okay. Praise, so yeah. yeah, yeah, those are good. But beyond Shane Wright, and we're talking about the Ottawa Senators now at seven, I, I, I don't know. So this is what I'll say. If there is an opportunity that presents itself that you can package that first round pick 
with the sweetener or another depth player or like a Delzato or a player like of, of that nature, which I'm sure is wishful thinking. Yeah. If it means we're getting in return a top six or top four on the, on the back end, I think you do it, but that's coming from a place where I don't really know who these young kids are that are coming in. So maybe there is a stud that I'm unaware of that Ottawa has their eyes on. Like, what are you thinking? Well, if there was a stud at seven, we would all be well aware of how deep this draft is. And nobody has ever said this is a really deep draft. All due respect to the players, because if you're picked in the first round of the National Hockey League draft, you are a a special player. But totally. that being said, I think if you can move that pick, because you don't, this team right now doesn't want to wait three years for that pick to develop, but maybe even two years. They want to win now so they want a solid top they need a top 4d i think before they do anything else you need a top 4d because guess what in the playoffs as you know you need defense to win you can shut down offenses but you can't play it with a porous d so if they're going to be a playoff team they need to have a better blue line so with that said right. i would move the pick without question uh and i like it doesn't we put all this high praise on draft picks but it doesn't necessarily translate to mean it's going to be a bona fide NHL oh. player in your first round pick. Yeah. So take what you know yeah. and move on. And if the player develops, good for him, but it's going to be a few years to get your needs yeah. taken care of and priorities in line. And I, without question, I'm moving the pick. I, I, but so that, okay. Oh, wait, let me preface that by saying if there is no trade to be made and nobody wants to give up whatever the Sens want for that, then exactly. fine. Don't, but I think that you're better suited to move the pick. Yeah. And, and like, that was very well said, because I think from my perspective, same as you all, because I I, I know there there have been some people online suggesting you always go with the pick, always go with the pick or lean heavy towards the pick. You can never have enough of them. But I think how, with how well this is, this is a credit to Ottawa's drafting, right? And they're, they're, they're junior scouting. They've drafted so well, they've got so many NHL or fringe NHL ready players now that as you just mentioned, I think, they can afford to move that pick. But yeah. again, uh, there are probably scouts out there and all the, the media guys that do all the junior work that are aware of some of these young fellas that might be coming in that might have an impact. And that's another thing, Wally. Some of these players that are coming in now are having more of an immediate impact than they have years right. prior, right? Like it's so yes. skill-based. So, you know, but, but I think you're right. I think we can both agree the draft is very thin. It just is. I mean, the fact that I don't know hardly any of these players beyond Shane Wright Kind of speaks volumes. Usually you'll hear more um, of, about the odd top 10 pick. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. I think if Ottawa has an opportunity and it presents itself, you move the pick for a good player. Otherwise, you hang on to it and you you know you groom that player up. I, I do think the top three are pretty good. Uh, Logan Cooley, I think, is next. And then it's the yeah, Slovak right. player. And I can't I, I'll butcher his name. I apologize. But he at the Olympics, <laughs> I think he had eight goals or something. So yeah, you're right. Like, like there are there are exceptional players, no question. I I just think like and I, oh, I shouldn't Logan Brown. I'll use an example. And I don't mean to, but he's a sense. He's top of the mind is a very, very good junior player. Uh, and so the sense were all right in selecting him, but I just don't know that we knew that he was not going to translate or that at this particular point, he was going to translate into the NHL. So that's all right. I'm saying is you don't know that these players and everybody thought he should at six foot six and all that stuff. It just didn't fit. So Move the pick for what play a team that wants a player in that spot for something they're willing to give up. That's that's all yep. I'm trying to get. I agree. I agree. Uh, 
By the way, on the move, because I, I know you love it, I bring these stupid cliches up. Uh, talk about Boyd moving, by the way. Uh, <laughs> want better pay, more respect, more job security? It's time to move to Boyd moving. If you're an experienced mover, truck driver, or just hardworking go-getter who wants rewarding work, then it's time to turn your job into a career. Apply today at boydcareers.ca. Boyd moving. We keep Ottawa moving, and the show keeps moving on. Um, by the way, we'll have to get Troy Mann on the show uh, perhaps next week to have a little chat about the upcoming draft just to give us a, a refresher mm. of what's out there because if anybody knows, it's Troy Mann. Um, so interesting news also, uh, I guess, this week is Pierre Maguire being let go by the Sens with still two more years left on his contract. That's a very odd move. Uh, not releasing him was bringing him in. It just didn't seem to necessarily fit in how this was going to play out and you knew from how it all played out that it was Eugene Melnick who brought him in and not Pierre Dorian. So I, I can completely see how the move played out at the end um, with Eugene gone and Pierre wanting him to, I guess, be the lone man, on the totem pole, just a surprise move all around that. Yeah, no, you, you worded it perfectly. I, initially I understood it because Pierre's got a pretty, pretty good, you know, bandwidth of, of knowledge when it comes yeah. to well he's so passionate about hockey that he knows a lot of these yeah. junior players and a lot of the guys coming in through the system because he's just so um almost borderline obsessive with the game and, and i mean that can always be considered an asset but um yeah you, you never really heard much from him i thought i do remember going into the season it sounded like they were going to use him a lot for the presser related stuff yeah. you know doing a lot of the the speaking and um, and he certainly, he's good at that. You know, he's, he's just, he doesn't need it to script anything. He's able to just kind of speak off the cuff and talk about whatever, because he's so dialed in, but it obviously wasn't a fit that worked out. And as you mentioned, clearly, um, somebody that I'm assuming Mr. Eugene Melnick brought in at the time and, uh, the timing was odd. That's all. I mean, the fact that he still has what, like two more years left on his deal. Yeah. Is that what it is? Wally? Yeah. 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 So it was surprising. I, but again, all we can do is just speculate. We don't know as, you know, as people behind the scenes or not behind the scenes, but from the, on the outside, we can assume and, and try to um, speculate as much as we can as to why he's no longer there. I, I have no idea other than it probably just wasn't a fit. And we never saw him like the, it, it was almost like he was buried early on in the season. Right. So, so two interesting uh, in two case, points on that is one. Yeah. Um, I, I guess a couple of points. One is I don't believe he takes the fall from Michael Delzato. I just believe that, Pierre Dorian just wanted to well, move why, on from. Why is that? Yeah, can I ask you a question on that, yeah. Wally? Uh, yeah. So, so why is the Dell's? I didn't think the Dell's auto move was that terrible. I no. mean, of all the moves, guy, a depth yeah. guy at two million dollars. Who, by the way, that's what I'm didn't saying. Like they brought in some in the big, National Hockey League. Ex that's what I'm saying. So, because like, I'm reading that online and everyone's talking about Dell's auto, and I'm thinking like, okay, I know he's not a legitimate top four anymore, but like you, you brought no. in a depth guy with a wealth of experience that can help out your young core a little bit at least. And he played very well when he went down to the American league and he took it like a champ. So, yeah. you know, like, but meanwhile, they brought in some players in the past um, and yeah. more particular. I mean, yeah. there's Zaitsev's a prime example of a guy still here making double what Del Zotto made. So I, I just, I don't like the excuse of, right. of falling I, on the sword for Michael Del Zotto. I don't think yeah. that's legitimate. I think that's disingenuous. I, I, and I totally agree. I don't think that that's the case at all. The other thing was you talked about the pressers. Now, this is interesting because, all right, so you're the GM of a professional sports team and they've just hired somebody else that you didn't really know about and you're going to say that guy is going to do the pressers and speak on behalf of the organization. If you're the GM, you're not allowing that to happen. Like, that just no. doesn't make any sense. 
I so, agree. I and, like, and I don't blame and I don't blame Pierre Dorian for that either. No. Yeah, like if you're if you're Dorian, you if, if I'm GM or if you're GM, no, we don't want somebody else kind of overstepping and no. and speaking on our behalf. Like it's just, I, I it's not a good dynamic, and it immediately just creates resentment. Not that I'm I, totally. suggesting there was resentment, but I mean it would bother me if I had the I, job, right? So. I believe there was tension in the office in the workplace, no question. I also you, uh, one other point you made was. We didn't see him very much, but from what I'm told, the players did. He was actually around quite a bit and in the room and well-liked by the players. So that's yeah. the interesting thing of we never saw him, so we didn't know what he was up to. But in reality is the players that we've been talking to tell us that he's around the room. So interesting that yeah. he's still around. I, yeah. I, I like that about like he's all in. I, I will say like he's a hockey guy. He's a lifer. Uh, he's always around. So. What was totally. going on behind the scenes of how they signed players or how they were scouting or any of that stuff between the two? I, I know some, but I, I'm not an, I don't believe it to be 100% truthful in all of it. So there's always two sides to every story. But I do know that he was around the team for sure. So uh, right, the right. players enjoyed it. Oh, whatever. You know what? Like yeah. I said, it's, it's obviously just a dynamic that didn't work, right? It, yep. like, no one really knew what the role was exactly. And this team has always been set in its ways as far as where the, what the pecking order is. Then you throw yes. something in there, they can kind of scramble it up and it, everybody starts short circuiting. So I think it's probably just, a, <laughs> probably just a position where they just needed to move on from and, um, you know, start back up from scratch. But this, Agreed. this is a big effing summer, right? Yeah. And so whatever they decide, whoever they decide to bring in for more consulting or help, it's going to be crucial because this is sort of that like turning point for the organization where all your pieces are set. Now you just got to find some guys that can help out. And, and it doesn't need to be a big, huge splash, but just like priority number one is just get that, get that top six or top four on D at least get one of them. Yes. Address one of them this summer. And it sends the right message across, you know, across the board to the fans. I, I, I totally agree. The other, but the problem is, this is one of the smallest front offices just got smaller a little bit. Like you just lost yeah. another brain, if you will. So they're going to, they, yep. that's another area. Like they've got to address this at some point. You've got to start to bring in people to fill out your front office. That's all. Yeah. Uh, onto the NHL playoffs, which have been interesting yet meth. I want to say they've been unexciting uh, brought to you by BEI Bonnetshire excavating Inc. Looking to refresh the front yard, do a complete landscape job. Uh, how about uh, some landscape stone, some aggregate, maybe thinking of redoing the driveway. Bonisher Excavating is here to help with competitive pricing on all your landscape needs. Give them a call, 613-432-1120, or go to bonishereexcavating.com. BEI, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, let's start with, are there any surprises for you so far in the first round? We've only got uh, through uh, Wednesday morning, one team moving on, and that's the Colorado Avalanche, who many, except me or you, predicted would win in four straight. <laughs> yeah you're talking yeah no kidding it's like it's almost like my bracket's been blown up wally like yeah. among a lot of other people right it's crazy i um i don't know like we talk about surprises i i'm, I'm a little surprised with dallas that they've been able to keep that yeah. series very competitive and i mean yeah. that in the nicest way possible I'm, I'm cheering them on if anything um but um you know i think the the, the sneakiest toughest matchup almost in a way was unfair was Toronto's matchup with Tampa, right? As soon as we saw that they were matched up with that two time Stanley cup champ, I'm thinking like, wow, they were dealt a really shitty hand and we're seeing this series has been a grind. Um, but I feel like if Toronto can get beyond Tampa, like this is such a huge turning point for them where you get all this wealth of experience. You'll learn to finally get, get out of you, you, you know, the monkeys off your back type of thing. If you get past the first round where, 
I think they're just going to run through the rest of the conference. That's really? just, that's a hot take, but I really do think that if they can get beyond Tampa right now and close the series out, it's going to be a tough team to beat. So, you know, I, you look across the board. I mean, they've been back and forth flip-flopping with a lot of these games. And a lot of it to me, has just been a, a special teams battle, Wally. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking there? Okay. So hold on. We're going to get to the penalties in a second, but these, mm. you talked about the grind of this Tampa Toronto series. And I, I get it to a point, but up until game five, every game had one team scoring at least five goals. The I know. like there's been so much offense in the postseason. Like, what is going on? When you played, I'm gonna guess three goals was like an insurmountable lead. And then now it's yeah. everybody scores three goals in any given night. I don't understand. It's crazy. Tell me what is going on with all the, the offense uh in the National Hockey League playoffs. Well, it, <clears throat> you're you, well, first of all, the skill is undeniable, right? Every year. It's getting better. Um, but from watching the games right now, and we're talking about some very high-skilled teams. I mean, we saw the Eastern Conference where all the playoff teams were over 100 points. I mean, so we know that these teams can score. We know they're offensively gifted. Now you factor in, you know, the idea that there's a ton of special teams. Refs aren't allowing almost any stick work, any grabbing, any holding. They're calling all of it. Yeah. So these players that are already very skilled to begin with have a wealth of time and space and net front. Uh, to make plays and do what they want to do. And, um, you know, I, I don't want, I, I'm reluctant to blame the goaltending because I've been watching some of these games. We saw the other night, um, all the tips that have been going in and, and trying to figure out who we're going to, who's to blame out there on the ice. But for me, really, I don't think it's much deeper than that. A lot of skilled guys, refs aren't allowing anything. So you're having a ton of special teams. I don't have the stats in front of me though, Wally, as far as the PP goals, the amount of, the amount of uh, odd man goals that yeah. we're actually getting, but it just seems like there's a it's been a parade of penalties. And I know I know you want to get to that, but that's a big factor in the why you're seeing all so, the scoring. At what point though, we always talk about this in the postseason of so we talk I guess, and I'll say the media talks out of both sides of their mouths when it comes to we want you to call everything in the playoffs and stop putting the rule book away. And then all of a sudden they're like, Well, let them play, put the rule book. So they're calling everything. At what point do they stop this nonsense of the penalty parade? Or are you okay with the way the games are played of right now with everything no. being called? Well, okay. Well, I'll let you tell me how you feel about it in a second. But from my end, Wally, I, I just, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan yeah. of the, the, the excessive calls. Like there's, there's infractions and then there's like penalties, you know, like, like you, right. There's blatant tripping like feel, calls. There's blatant right. cross checks. I get that. Yes. Right. So they're trying to set a precedent and they're saying, okay, you know, we're going to call everything sternly. And, and, and then that's what the assumption that I, I'm assuming players will inevitably adapt to it. That's some of the, some of the comments supporting all the calls that I got on my, on my post on Twitter, the people that were okay with it, were saying that, you know, guys will adjust. And then eventually, you know, you'll probably end up getting less of them. And that may be true. Sure. Uh, but, but my concern is that you're sucking you're sucking a big part of the game out, right? Like the physicality, the theatrics, the drama, the FUs between whistles that come from a lot of extended five-on-five -five play. I feel like you take a little bit of that bite out of the game and it's it just it robs the playoffs of that raw emotion that you're used to seeing when you're sitting at home watching it on TV, right? Like for me, you mentioned it, Wally, like there's, there's so many goals, but we're missing a lot of the extracurriculars. I'm not suggesting, and I say this all the time, I'm not talking about like stage fighting and all that nonsense, but I like seeing some FUs around the net. I like seeing 
passion and frustration come out yep. of the players because that's what this is all about. It's, it's a, a battle. So yes. Yeah. So that, that would be my only defense um, from my point of view, as far as, you know, being suggesting there's too many calls. I just think they're, they're a little too trigger happy with the whistle, but you have to stick to a standard. So you can't deviate from that. Cause all of a sudden you're not going to be calling it equally on both sides. So you want it to be balanced, but I think you call the obvious stuff, but all the pushing, the shoving, the small like pushes with the gloves, the slight cross checks, like let those go, man, let them play. That, that is, that is my stance. I'm not going to, I'm not going to move on that. Well, you know what this feels like to me with all these high scoring playoff games is October. It feels like this is the beginning yeah. of the regular season. Sure. The refs have been told, this is how we're going to call the year. They just got the memo. Yeah. Yes. It's awful. Like I, I don't, I, I'm going to, I haven't enjoyed the first round of the playoffs because it's just wide open. They're just calling everything they can. And it just slows the, it, the gamers are bogged down. There is no yeah. passion uh, per se, because of the, you don't know if you, face wash a guy if you're going to end up in a penalty box so i'm with right. you the extra after the whistle stuff it is the nhl playoffs are the hardest grind in professional sports and you're taking yeah. that away and making it a special teams event and that's the only part i don't like i if yeah. you're gonna like how are you possibly going to call this game like this in the stanley cup final i don't so know I, you get you get yeah, through the playoffs and then all of a sudden you're in the cup final and you're getting all these penalties or you're getting none. And then nobody understands what the call is. Well, and, and that's, that's, that was my point. And I'll, I'll keep it short here. Cause I know we were yeah. kind of going on a rant, but, but I don't like that. It's a special teams battle. That's what right. I don't like. I don't like that. You're relying on your special teams to win these games. You know, those are bonus. Those obviously are a huge factor. I'm not denying that. I'm not suggesting that there's, you know, shouldn't be any calls, but I don't like that. That's the, like, this has been the, the major talking point now for, most of the series has been the officiating and it's not that the officials aren't good or competent. It's that they're just, they're doing what they've been told to do. Correct. And it's to call a strict stingy game. And now all the attention, at least from my perspective, when I'm sitting down is like, okay, like, you know, this game's flowing real nice right now. It's been going on for about three rotations, about three minutes. Oh, you know, they're going to call something any minute now. And that's to me, an issue that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I, I don't know I where think, you begin. I don't have the mind for that. Well, I think there was five, power plays in the first period of the league. Yeah, and that's too much. Okay. So, so, and so like, think about it. You're just sitting there on the bench. So if you're not, whether you're a PK guy or you're, you're, you're um, a power play guy is irrelevant. It's you're sitting a ton and you're not getting your consistent shifts. It's going to affect your play. Now I know there's a fine line here and I, I, I love the offense. Like for me, I love the speed. Like I'm a sort of, I don't want to, I'm not going to disagree with you, Wally. I think it could be better, but I still find that the, the first round has been relatively entertaining, but I think it's because I'm just very vested into the Toronto series and, and all that stuff. But, but I, I do think it has been pretty entertaining. It just, like you said, and like I was suggesting, it's lacking that raw emotion and bite that we would typically see. I, I think it's been soft. So that's yeah, fair I, enough. Hey, you're, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I can't I just, fight you on that one. Like, can you? So, if you're a shutdown D uh, in the postseason as you've been in your career, like, yeah. are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying well, seeing five goals being funny. pumped in? Like, we'll say this. This is good because I'll be able to send Craig a picture where I believe I'm, I'm eye gouging Crosby. I think it was in the playoffs. I never got yeah, a penalty for it. Right. It was in a scrum. Yeah. So I'll send I'll send it over and he can post it during this. But my, and this isn't me talk trying to just talk about Sid. He's an unbelievable player. I'm just saying, when I was playing. 
it was fun because there was a lot of that stuff, right? There was always yeah. scrums around the net and it created more animosity and you just hated players. Like you saw a little bit with Maroon yesterday in the game. He was, he was doing a little bit of gamesmanship with some of his opponents, some of the fans. I love that. It's so entertaining. So all we're suggesting here, and I think Wally, you're on the same page. We're just, we both agree. It's just lacking a little bit of that extra curricular stuff that otherwise we're not seeing this season. There's no anyway. bite. That's all. Um, no bite. You know what they're calling it? Like, I feel like they're calling it like an international hockey event where everything, everything gets called. And speaking of which, the world championships <laughs> set to get underway, uh, I think in two days, maybe three days. Uh, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathoc for the most competitive live daily odds. You can also place bets on the world championships where we see it's a plethora of Ottawa Senators being over there. Uh, just on Canada alone, you have Drake Batherson, today's guest, by the way, uh, Thomas Shabbat, Nick Holden. Then DJ Smith is the assistant coach. You got Dom Nicoletta, the athletic therapist, John Forget, the equipment manager, Alex Menendez, uh, the equipment manager, and Tim Cregan, uh, Dr. Tim Cregan, team physician. Also, former sons on the team, Eric O'Dell, Chris Drieger, and then Andre Tourne, the assistant coach. Like, hmm. it's a sense buffet of players and staff. Uh, <laughs> it's a. It's an it like I I love the world championships. You and I both chatted about this a lot. Good for these guys to get over there. I know for Drake, it's his first time. Uh, how about Nick Holden? I think it's a surprise addition. Uh, on Team USA, yeah. by the way, Austin Watson named a, an alternate captain. Good for him. You know, like good we all him. know he's a leader type. Um, so it's good to see that being acknowledged. It's an interesting time. I love the worlds. Again, it looks like it's been a struggle though to fill out these rosters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, the roster, you know, I was looking at it too. And, and I, I, I'm in the belief that it is significantly better than last year. Last mm -hmm. year, they had so many issues convincing guys to go over COVID, because yeah. of the COVID protocols. Right. So, yep. so like Luongo, I mean, we, it looked like a disaster after three games. And then obviously they bring in Andrew Mangiapani, I think comes yep. in to help. And for whatever reason, that one man was able to help turn this entire tournament around. They go on and win. So, but just looking at that lineup last season, you thought, oh boy, like how many, how many players did they call and ask and how many turndowns yeah. did they get before they finally got their lineup? So, um, you know, I, I think it's better. Uh, it's big. I mean, they've got big some lineup. size. They're by and large, the, the biggest team at the tournament when you're looking yeah. at the average height and weight, and they're like 10 pounds heavier on average than almost every other team. So, um, you know, they're bringing a real NHL roster over. It's on the big ice, so it's going to be challenging. But but forgetting about all that, you mentioned all the Ottawa Senators heading over and representing their countries respectively. I think, I think that's terrific. You miss out on making the postseason. You get some more reps playing at a high level overseas with new players under new coaches. It gives you new perspective. So um, you, you learn a lot. I mean, when I went over there, and what I was I was lucky when I went over there because there were some real good teams. It was leading up to the Sochi Olympics, I think. I forget yeah. what Olympics it was, but but they had like a very rich roster of, of players, right? Like all the guys were coming over, like Perry Getzlaff or Tavares, Spezza, they were all there. So I was able to kind of watch and observe how they prepared for games. And it really helped me a lot, their, their, their habits on the ice. So that's what a lot of these guys, particularly the younger ones, are going to see. And it also gives them more confidence, Wally. So yes. they're going to head over there now and they're going to like, they're going to practice with some other really good players. And they're going to be like, wow, you know, I'm as good as this player. I'm as good as that guy. And I know I've, I've said that before, but it's going to be huge. Maybe not necessarily for some of the older guys like Holden for guys like Holden. It's just good experience. He gets to go enjoy himself, but for the younger guys, it's going to be real good for their confidence going into next season.
Yeah. And Thomas Shabbat says that after 2019, I the years get confusing after a while, but I think it was 2019. <laughs> him and Matthew know. Joseph uh, were there. They yeah. just talked about, you know, just being around that group, being around. Yeah. They'll have Claude Julia in there. Rick Nash is going to be Shane Doan on the management side. Like there's a lot That's of right. outside things that we don't see that they get taught. Yeah. And they, they just get to hang out and pick brains and, and do that. I, I love, yeah. I love the world championships. Um, but it is like, we talk about, it's never about the hockey. You ever know? And you know this perfectly. It's, I, I believe like there's beers constantly in the locker room to chill from and relax with like you would never see so much in the NHL world, but they just, it's no. such a relaxed atmosphere. It's never about necessarily yeah. winning. It's about meeting people, hanging out that life experience of being somewhere else. Yeah. And, 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 and another thing, I mean, uh, it gave me, and I'm still convinced to this day that summer I went there. That was my last, so it was my last year in Columbus as a blue jacket. And then I got invited to go play at the world's, after that world championships is when I got picked up by the Sens. Right. And I know so they had scouts like Rob Murphy and it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they had, they had guys over there um, scouting. And I remember running into Murph on the plane. And I, I think I believe, I believe I even told Murph on the plane. I'm like, Hey, I'd love to play in Ottawa. Like I told him that. <laughs> so I, I don't know that that even had any influence whatsoever. Cause Murph's a good dude, a big fan of his, but, yep. but um, you just, you're, you give yourself more exposure. So you're a young guy, all these other general managers, people like these, these random people that are involved in the front office or, or scouts, they're all going to be there watching. Good opportunity to give yourself more exposure as a player, particularly if you're playing in a smaller market. So um, I'm excited to, to, to see how this plays out. Tim Stutzla in Germany, you know, he's going to yeah. be a superstar there. Lots of swagger coming off a really, really uh, good second half of his NHL year. So he, like he'll be flying out there, Wally. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped to see what he can do. Yeah, no, it'll be fun to watch and we'll be glued to it. I, I know you're doing some work as yeah. well for it. So um, yep. with that in mind, uh, here is Drake Batherson, which is brought to you by a Whitewater Beer. Go to shopwhitewater.ca. Use the wham-funkyfresh coupon code 15% off. Crack open a cold one. Sit back and enjoy our chat with Drake Batherson. Uh, Drake Batherson, before you head over to the World Championships, thanks for stopping by to, to chat with us for a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me back on again. Uh, what's the excitement level for you to head to your first World Championship? Oh, really excited. Obviously, uh, any chance, the opportunity to represent Team Canada, um, you got you to be all over that. So I, I had the chance to go last year, but with my contract situation, um, you know, my, agent, my agents figured it was better to just stay home and not risk getting injured. So when I got the call this year, I was uh, jumping all over it and excited to go. Is this the first time you've been back to Europe since, well, I don't even know, like a toddler. Yeah. So I moved to Canada when I was eight and I haven't been back since. Uh, like we never, our family never went on vacation, like growing up. So I haven't been back since I was eight years old. So I'm excited. My old man's and coming for two for the tournament. So nice. Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And you got a couple familiar faces joining along with you there, Batherson. You got who do you who's Shabby and uh, Holdy are going? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Shabby's going, Holds too. So I know a lot of guys on the team actually. So it's going to be pretty fun and awesome. Uh, obviously DJ being there too. So uh, yeah, it'll be easy. And a bunch of our trainers and phys uh, medical guys will be there. So it'll it'll feel right right at home. I think so. It'll be fun. I, I looked at the lineup and there's. <laughs> I want to say almost every player on this team is over six foot two. Like you guys are sending a legitimate, pretty big team. 
have you spoken to any of the coaching staff? Have you talked about it or what the plan is? Obviously winning games is going to be number one, but do you have any idea who you're playing with or anything like that at all? Yeah, I don't know. I, I actually seen your tweet this morning about that. There's only one guy under six feet or something. So yeah, oh, I don't know if they re- realize the ice is a little bigger over there. The, the <laughs> guys might be a little, a little better, but uh, no, it'll, it'll be fun. We got a good team, I think. So, uh, but as far as lines and stuff, I have no idea. They had their first practice yesterday. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty jealous. I couldn't be there for it. Fair enough. Yeah. There's also Chris Drieger. I don't know if you know, uh, Eric Odell, uh, who else do you know in that lineup? Um, I know I played with Dubois and junior, um, played with Comtois on the world juniors. Um, well, so Noah, Noah Gregor, my dad played with his dad in college. They're really good buddies, uh, but I don't as well. So have that connection. Um, geez, I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. Uh, Graves, he's from Nova Scotia. I know him really well. Um, geez, I wish I had a list in front of me, but that's all I can think of. Off the top of my head. So it's okay. It wasn't a test. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I got a bad memory, so uh, <laughs> okay. I need them. You're known as a bit of a fashion guy. So how much have you packed for this trip, which is upwards of three weeks long? <laughs> Not much, to be honest with you. Um, I'm the type of guy I pack light, and if I need something, I just go shopping on the road to get whatever I need. So, <laughs> uh, that, that's what we, that's what we were doing. When, so when I my, when I went to my first World Championships, I overpacked. That was that's the advice I was going to get to is that yeah. you get so much free hockey Canada shit that you barely get through half your clothing that you packed up with you. And then when you do go shopping over there, like I did when I needed more underwear. It was like 30 euro per pair. It was insane. (laughs) So pack a lot of underwear, but don't worry about bringing shirts and jeans and stuff because they're going to have you guys wearing a tracksuit and shorts around the hotel all the time. Yeah. No, I was making a list on the the notes app there the other day on my phone. I was like, "Ah, 10 (laughs) pairs of underwear, 10 socks, 10 t-shirts, two pairs of jeans, and we're good to go. (laughs) Nice. Well, I'm sure I'll have to go shopping eventually or – yeah, my laundry into the rink for the boys to do or something, but we'll, we'll figure. It out. <laughs> uh, have you talked to any former teammates, like as in Nick Paul or Connor Brown, or who have won, or any of that for advice at the World Championships of what to expect? Yeah, no, I I feel like uh, Connor Brown and Nicky talked about it for the first half <laughs> of the season this year every day. I mean, uh, they both had amazing tournaments last year. Obviously, winning gold, it was it was fun to see, and then um shabby's been the two i believe before so we've been chatting a bit about it we played a bit of golf this week talking about it so um no heard nothing but good things um obviously it's known as like a fun tournament but yeah. you know you go there, you want to win two at the same time so uh no i'm excited to to get there and get it going because meth and i have both commented all throughout the show is that how great the world championships are to experience it once in your life at least it is by far the favorite event that I like to cover of all hockey, because as you said, it's super relaxed. It's just right. You get to show up at the rink. There's no pressure. You have one usual media yeah. guy, maybe two bugging you through the day. It was me. And that'd be it. It's fantastic. It's, it's just a really good time. And it's a great city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel like after, um, you know, a long season, that's just, that's just perfect. Yeah. You kind of go there kind of feels like a men's summer league, but at the same time, <laughs> you're playing for a gold medal. So I'm sure when the puck drops, it'll be, uh, you know, all business as per usual, but in between games and stuff like that, it's uh, pretty late. The, the biggest sure. adjustment, the biggest adjustment, I think, just to your point there was, I think the calls, like you're going to notice 
you're going to, you're going to have a new appreciation for the officiating in the national hockey league and how good it really is because you go over there and like, you might lay a stick on somebody or you might hit somebody too hard. You got Not suspended that you're running around Drake. Yeah, yeah. I got suspended. Yeah. I slammed a Belarusian kid's face in the glass, but, but you're going to, you're going to notice that. So keep your stick down. And, and the thing is with, with, with you is that you're already an established player. Like when I went over there, I was still sort of young and trying to kind of make my name for myself for you. Like you're playing with a bunch of players. You're probably going to be on the top line. I'm not going to have you word that out. Cause I, I know you don't want to make any assumptions, but um, I think for you, it's just like, yeah, just try to score goals. Cause I'm looking at this heavy lineup and I don't know that there's a ton of finish. So they're probably going to be looking to you on a lot of those power plays. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, there, there'll be a ton of good players there, obviously. Um, yeah. But I played against pretty well, all of them, I think. So yeah. um, that'll be fun. A lot, there's a few skilled guys in there too. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully play with a few different guys and, uh, you know, see what we can do. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Are there any wagers with other fellow Senator teammates on various other world championship teams, like perhaps Tim Stutzla? Yeah, no, we're lined up to go on game one. So uh, we've been chatting about it a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know if there'll be any wagers, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> but if he's, willing, if, he's, if he's willing to make a bet, I'm probably accepting it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Is, is Stutzler just going to like walk around there with his head, like sneering down everybody else, like acting like a rock star in that dressing room coming in, you know, the way he finished the season? I'm assuming his confidence is going to be really high. What are you yeah. expecting with Tim Stutzla in the dressing room with Germany? Oh man, he's I think he's gonna be unreal. He's got uh obviously brings a ton of swagger. Um just an awesome kid. But like you said, uh he was so chattative in the room the second half of the year. And I remember like Hamnet <laughs> coming in and kind of just like Timmy would say something like chirping guys to put money on the board or something. Hamnet's kind of like who is this kid but it's just like timmy and he doesn't mean it he's just joking around and he just wants to have fun so good i love uh, that no it'll, it'll be fun and the big ice from over there i'm sure he's gonna have the puck on the stick the whole game so it'll be good it'll point. be fun. uh how much did his game change in the second half based on his just confidence level is that what ended up being the difference or was it because his he changed so much on the ice he gained more confidence does that make any sense yeah no i think uh well, he moved, when he moved to center, uh, center, yeah. you're spinning the puck all over the ice, and he's a guy that can just kind of take it and skate it out of the zone. Where for me, I like I like getting the puck and looking to dish it to my centerman. So, um, him being a centerman, I think he could just skate the puck out on a breakout, kind of like Shabbat does. He kind of just can skate it out. So, um, yeah, no, and then obviously brings a ton of confidence, and he was scoring a lot, making a ton of plays. So when you're doing that, um, you know. For me, myself, I know my confidence is through the roof, so I'm sure it's the same same with him when he's doing that. Okay, so here's the question I should have prepped you for before I asked it. Would you rather play with Josh Norris as your center or Tim Stutzla? <laughs> that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, uh, two different style of players, I think. Um, I play with Josh in the minors and obviously play with him a lot in the NHL, too. Um, really good shooter. So when I get the puck, I'm looking to looking to hit him right away in the slot or whatever he is. And with Timmy, I feel like we can just kind of make plays and kind of feed off each other. Um, it's tough. Both unbelievable players. Both of them are going to have a smart answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. if I'm playing with either of them. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Is Nick holding the glue of the Team Canada room? <laughs> oh man. Uh, Nicky's unbelievable. Like, I don't know how he does it. He has four kids at home, comes into the ring, buzzing, like 
all hours of the day. That's day. why. <laughs> I'm like, man, you must have been up with your kid at like 5.30 this morning and have two pots of coffee and you're like, I'm rolling in. I wake up at 7.50, I'm out the door by 8, walking in at 8.15, just still half asleep. And this guy's just coming <laughs> around. I'm like, oh, he smokes. But he's awesome. Like, like it's like hanging out like with a rookie his first week in the NHL. He's just so excited every day. Like, so, no, he's a, he's amazing. And, you know, he's, old, he's an older guy, but he acts like he's like one of us, which I love. And at the same time can be the older guy to us. So, uh, no, he's just a great fit. And I'm sure he'll, he'll be the same way over there with uh, Team Canada. Uh, speaking of bike helmets, have you ever been served in a bar by a shirtless guy wearing a bike helmet and sunglasses? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple times for sure. Uh, how, how did that night go? Oh, it was, was that... a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were, boys were having a bit of fun there, obviously. And Chucky being Chucky, serving drinks there behind the bar and <laughs> stuff and catching it, just having a blast. So, no, I had a few, had a few adult beverages on them and it was a good time. <laughs> That's good. Can you make a good drink? I it was I think it was uh, on the stronger side. I I don't think behind <laughs> there he's just kind of mixing and pouring this and that. So no, it was uh it was good. It was a good drink, I think. Uh, your I know you were asked this question at the end of the year about your ankle injury and coming back. Uh, you only got to play 15 games. Now keep in mind you had four goals and 10 points in 15 games, which I think is impressive because a high ankle sprain is arguably one of the worst injuries to have of trying to get back skating. Did you, yep. how long did it take you to actually start to feel comfortable playing in those 15 games? Was it really near the end? Yeah, it was tough. Um, I remember like my first skate after, I think it was six weeks completely off the ice. I was like, oh my God, I am never coming back. Like this is going to take, <laughs> I could barely like, like push out powerful on them. And the leg it happened on is like my strong leg. Like that's what I used to kick in soccer. So I was like, okay, that'll be a little better because it's my stronger one. But it took a it took a while, honestly. Um, I don't think it's still 100%. I mean, I'm not going to make excuses, but um, definitely wasn't like where it was at the start of the year. And I could just notice it from watching film from when before I was injured to like when I was playing the last yeah. 15 games. It was, just wasn't there. But um, obviously, wanted to get back. Wanted to get back playing and um wanted to get over to the world championship to play some more hockey before my summer just to just to get more reps I guess I missed almost half a season so um I just want to get a few more games in and get the ankle feeling I'm sure it'll feel even better there um two weeks off now before the tournament so it'll it'll be good I know you were I know you probably have talked about this at length Drake, and you probably don't want to talk about it now, <laughs> but with that Aaron Dell situation, I mean, I was, I was angry for you legitimately. I rarely get mad, but that like, like when it comes to me, not involved, I'm just a spectator at this point watching the games. And I was so pissed off because you don't have any idea that it's coming yeah. steps into you. Obviously I'm not trying to relive it for you. My question is, had he ever reached out to you afterwards? Like, did you ever get a text message or anything acknowledging the player? Was it just, he kind of ghosted no yeah i think that's like the unwritten rule in the league if you kind of in, injure someone you kind of reach out after i yep. don't know how it works. um i think that's the way it is yeah. um but no i never he never reached out or anything like that which i mean whatever, whatever. anyway i know i'm not gonna i don't expect you to slander him it's just yeah. amazing that he never especially a dirty play like that i mean it was i've i've got i got a text from crosby after he 
by accident caught me on the finger. Like, and, and it was an accident, right? So if a goalie steps into me, are you fucking kidding me? Like, not, not a text, nothing? No, it's just one of those things, you know, I, I don't really get up to full speed much out there on the ice, and I was going full tilt there. So, I know. Um, yeah, and just obviously went in. And then I the way I got up after the injury to skate off, I put all my pressure on the, on the sprained ankles, which probably made it even worse. But yeah, um, I just had my old, my old man growing up always told me if she ain't broke, you better get up. Cause it was, <laughs> and I just could hear that in my head as soon as I went into the boards and tried to get up and wobble back to the bench. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, whatever happens it's in the past. So, yeah. So, so right now, is it, is it roughly close to hundred percent? Is that safe to say, or maybe not totally? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, I'll, I'm I'm excited to get home. I got a good uh, treatment guy who's gonna look at it, and obviously my trainer, um, he was Sid's trainer, and Sid had a high ankle sprain earlier on in his career, so he didn't know knows how to deal with that and knows the training we got to do. So it'll yeah. be good, and I'm sure I'll be feeling uh, 100 at least by next camp. I'd have to yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna ask you if you talked to Sid because I think. It was either him or Malka. They both had them, but one of them missed like 30 games due to a high ankle sprain. I don't remember if it was Sid or not, but did he, did you discuss with him about how for treatment or just how to go about it? Or did you talk to anybody that's dealt with it before? Yeah. So it was Sid. Sid missed uh, two and a half months. We played them shortly after the injury. So I got the chat with him after the game and before the morning skate about it and stuff and uh, really similar injury to his. Yeah. So it's good hearing from, especially a guy from him like him about the injury. So, um, yeah, he just said to take my time. And, um, I heard from guys that it lingers on, but honestly I had one little bite in the 15 games. So, and it was good. from someone hitting on it, not even from me turning or whatever. So, um, which was good because I heard some guys have troubles with it for like every game. So no, I'm happy it's where it's at and our trainers did a good job. So no, I'm pretty there pleased that there didn't seem to be an issue on your last goal of the season, which for those who don't remember, it's in New Jersey. You completely embarrassed Ty Smith and then dance him for the winner. Um, mm. Where does that goal rank for you of the, I believe, 40 career NHL goals that you've scored? Uh, probably number one. I mean, uh, uh, first NHL nice. goal, probably the most memorable. And then uh, as far as the nicest, I would I would probably have to say that one. It was just cool. <laughs> I've never scored an overtime winner before either. So I think I had one my whole time in the minors too, like, um, and maybe like a couple in junior. So I'm, I've never really been an overtime goal scorer and to just do that in overtime was, uh, was pretty, was pretty cool. How many messages did you get after that goal? <laughs> yeah. I think it was like the day before my birthday. Yeah. So with that, my birthday combined, I think I woke up in the morning of my birthday with like 250 messages or something. <laughs> it was it was such a disrespectful move too. Like that, <laughs> like like an overtime toe drag. Like if I'm if I'm Ty Smith and I get posterized like that, I'm so rattled. And <laughs> I mean it lives on. Like a goal like that'll live on, right? Because it'll be in highlight reels when there's the next 10 top 10 uh, toe drags, perhaps it'll be on there, right? So Anyway, I, I, we were, we were all so impressed with that goal, man. I mean, to, to have the poise to do that under that kind of pressure in OT, because anytime I feel like anytime there's a, there's a turnover in the offensive zone, it almost always ends up being an odd man rush going the other way. So obviously that was not a concern when you went for the toe drag. Yeah, no, I love, I love those overtimes where it's just like two on ones back and forth, you know, yeah. kind of cheating all over. 
Um, I mean, I'm sure our coaches don't like that, but <laughs> you're a fan, you're just, you know, on the edge of your seat. So you're loving it, but uh, yeah. no, it was cool. And yeah, it was, it was a fun night, big time. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the coaching staff. Do they ever say much about the odd man rushes that go the other way in overtime? Yeah, well, it was, it was funny. Like the two games before, I was kind of like cheating a little bit. Me and Timmy were out there together and they kind of called us in. They're like, boys, like, come on, like, just take your guys. <laughs> and then uh, we went out there together and then we scored like two days later. So, no, it, it's funny. But, um, you know, in that point of the year, the, the points didn't really matter, I guess. But obviously we're still trying to win just cheating a little bit to get the OT win here and lucky enough happened, but I'm sure over time it's started next season. Uh, I'll pick up my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Would you prefer a shootout or just three on three uh, to end overtime? Uh, someone asked me this last year, if they could change one rule in the game, I said uh, like just continuous three on three overtime till the game was over. I mean, uh, it would suck to play the next night. I think if you play about six, six seven minutes over time but yeah um, it'd be fun for the fans i mean shootouts are hard like i think it's underrated you look at guys that are like kane and taves that are 50 percent in their career on shootouts i think it's unbelievable um i think i'm like two two for ten or something maybe so uh no i think the overtime's the best part i think but if you had to vote if you had to vote like you wouldn't want to extend that would you like to me, like with all the games throughout the season, we did a little panel hit talking about that and I shot it down. I'm like, there's no way the NHLPA would ever allow it because all the skilled guys don't want to have to skate any more than they have to, right? Like it's a long year. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, most most top end guys are playing 20 minutes already in regulation and then it's a 10 minute overtime. If you're a guy- Too much. Matthews or those guys, you're going out every second shift. Like that's another five minutes and then you're playing back to back. Like it's yeah. too much, but- uh yeah, if it was a shorter schedule, maybe, but like you said, it, it, uh, it'd be tough for sure. I just you, think it gives more time to the third line guys. I just think give more time to the other <laughs> you know, guys than the other. Yeah, well, Wally, no coaches, coaches aren't going to be like, okay, uh, and this, I know. Boy, I'm not making fun of Austin Watson, I and mean, he's my boy, but I'm saying, like, I'm not, if I'm DJ, I'm not going, okay, Watts, you're going to go out <laughs> and, you know, so and so, like, you know, you're going to go with your top two lines for sure every time, no? Yeah, I would just like to see them mix it up. That. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, and, gets out there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Everybody has to play one shift of overtime. Roll the, roll the bench. Let her yeah, no, <laughs> no chance that's ever happening. Um, so you mentioned, Drake, you mentioned a little, you touched on on kind of as a joke talking about next season. Last in a row, I mean, I think the elephant in the room is the starts, right, with the Ottawa Senators and the struggle and how far behind the eight ball you guys got. Did DJ touch on that in the end of the year meetings and, and what was the expectation level with the group going into this summer? Obviously I'm sure he's talking about nutrition and not going on a bender every weekend and lifting weights, all the cliche stuff, but was there anything like kind of significant that he mentioned as far as goals going for next season? Yeah, no, that was the biggest thing to start. I mean, I think like the last two years we come out of the gates and like smoke Toronto both times game one, and then we don't yep. win our game to like game nine or ten so it just can't happen you can't get behind the eight ball that early or else you're just chasing it all the way to february and then by that time you're out of the playoffs so um that's been the case for us the last two years so if we can get out of the gates like 500 throughout the first 10 games even that yeah, no kidding that. and then uh i think we're, we're adding more at more preseason games so th this year um i think we're up to eight which is which is a lot so you're absurd playing 
<laughs> probably i would say how do you how do you feel about that like if the coach comes up to you before because i i've got my own side of it but like if he goes drake how many games do you want to play like what would your answer be if you were being honest like like three or four yeah that was my answer it was always three yeah, <laughs> all at like, home well you yeah, know you, you know training camp like so there's like the three hour rule um, yeah. in training camp so you go you practice for 40 minutes you flood and then you play a red versus white game yep. so that's that's kind of a game there you're rolling three lines for 40 minutes straight so that's pretty much a full hockey game there so you add up all the red and white games plus the preseason you're at like almost 12 <sighs> games so i know and it and it just blows traveling during yeah. preseason because you're playing with and it's no slight at the guys but you're playing with a lot of like junior players and some American league guys. So you're not like with the usual suspects and you got to fly to like Winnipeg for a day game. <laughs> so, say Winnipeg. so three games is the number. Yeah. I mean the, the preseason games are the hardest games to play too, because everyone's flying around like chaos trying, trying to make a name for themselves, which I mean, I get it. I was in the same position for sure. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's just like ping pong out there. The puck's just going everywhere. Everyone's kind of running around. So they're yeah. tough to play in, whereas in you know, a regular season game, everyone's in their positions. It just kind of flows where there. It's uh, it's all over the map, but nah, yeah. that's what it is, and I don't think it'll ever change. Fair enough. So he so so to, I'm gonna like one more time I'll ask you. So DJ didn't actually say anything other than <laughs> we're looking forward to next season, and that's it. And I guess I'm assuming you'll probably get more answers at training camp. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much just uh yeah, talked about the season a little bit and the expectation going into next year and um, I mean, I'm going to my fifth year pro now. I haven't played uh, playoff games since my last year junior. So, yeah. um, I want to I want to push for a spot. I know all the other guys on the team wanna and uh, see what happens this summer. Maybe get a couple guys to help us out. And yep, uh, you never know. Uh, that's the thing about hockey. You never know. So, get off to a good start and get rolling, get in a groove, and you know anything can happen. Fair enough. Were you concerned going into this year about the pressure of signing that new deal and having to live up to it at all? A little bit, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself just to be good every night, let alone um, having that in my head about the contract. Like, I just want to be good for myself. If I go home and have a bad game, I'm pretty riled for that night. I mean, I can get rid of it by the next morning, but um, yeah, I wasn't really too worried about like the contract and, how much money I was making to perform at a certain level or anything like that. I just wanted to, you know, I'm always pushing myself to be better every day, whether it's practice, I mess up a rep. I'm pretty pissed off about messing up that rep. You know what I mean? So um, I just want to win and be, be as good as I can every night. That's, that's the only real pressure I put on myself to be honest with you. So the one thing about your season, despite COVID and the injury was the consistency. And we've always talked Meth and I about to stay in this league and to be good. You have to be consistent every night. There were only twice this season, two times, that you had pointless droughts of three games. That's your longest drought this season. That's really hard to do when you are a high-end player to not have any drought like that. Like, I guess when you look back at your season, where does that, I guess, become a factor or uh, a feather in the cap of being able to do that night in, night out? Yeah, no, I think it was one of the things um, after my first couple of years pro going in the summer, I'll, that was a topic of my exomy and just being more consistent uh, being a factor on most nights and the nights you're not, you're not, uh, getting those chances offensively. You got to chip in in other ways, whether it's, you know, getting pucks out, finishing your checks is, you know, something I, I focused on the last couple of years and I think I'm getting better at. So, 
but no, just, uh, like I said, the consistency was the thing I wanted to work on. And, you know, I didn't know that stat until you, until you brought it up. So no, I think it's a, a good sign and uh, credit to the guys I was playing with, um, play with some great line mates all year too. So, um, no, it was fun. You're okay. <laughs> Are you Drake on that note, when you talk about your line mates and this isn't obviously you're not throwing anybody under the bus, but like you obviously with injuries going on had to kind of hop up and down between that first and second line. Would you prefer staying with like, is that the plan where right now with, for the sense for DJ is to keep you guys up on that top line altogether next season. Did he mention that? Or are you going to be maybe a little more flexible and dropping down with Timmy? Yeah. Well, I know for the last, um, like when I came back off my injury, the plan was to play with Timmy for like the remainder of the season. And then, yeah, um, obviously losing Brownie and stuff, uh, things kind of changed, but, uh, I know we wanted to try me and Timmy out for a while. Um, Cause we didn't really play together since like the start of last season. So, um, yeah. and coming off the injury, I kind of want the consistency to play with the same line. So we were playing, it was, I think it was me, him and for me for the first little bit. And I was like, okay, perfect. Um, cause coming off an injury, you just want to get like back in the groove. You know, you, I'm sure it was the same with you. You wanted to go back with your D partner and just play with them every shift. So it was kind of the same with me. And then I was kind of getting flip flop between lines and, um, it was, it was a little hard, but, uh, I played with both of them before, so it was, a, it was obviously a little easier. But, yeah, no, I think next year if we can, like, solidify um, some lines and just have that consistency, it's just way easier uh, night, totally. night in, night out. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see, uh, you know, what, what goes on this summer with you know, with the gut players and that going in and out. So we'll see. Yep. And I'm sure we'll figure that out in training camp next year. Have you ever met Claude Giroux? I'm, I'm just kidding. Don't answer the question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I haven't. <laughs> Funny story. That guy was, uh, he was one of my favorite players growing up. I love, I love Lockheed. Oh, no way. Yeah. Like, uh, he was a right shot centerman. I played center all the way up till pro. So just a playmaker, really smart guy. So my old man always told me to watch him when we were watching hockey growing up. So no, he was a, he was a great player and got to play against him a lot. I think I played against him like my fourth game in my career. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, interesting. Um, I can actually go back. Didn't plan to ask you this question, but I looked at your numbers. Uh, I'll say like U15, U16 in that area. You didn't have these stellar numbers. Like there were nothing, you weren't dominating at all. Did you know that you were going to play and be this good in the National Hockey League? When did you like, and it's a legit question. Like when did you think that you had a shot at the National Hockey League? Yeah, a lot of people ask me this. Like I remember getting cut from the U16 team, Team Nova Scotia, which was, uh, they made that team to go to a tournament right before the Quebec major junior league draft. And I got cut from that and I was like, Oh, I'll probably never play in the queue. So at that point I was a scratch golfer at 16, um, won my men's club uh, championship. And there's a bunch of guys from Nova Scotia going to the golf route, getting full scholarship and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, perfect. Like I loved hockey, but I'll try to get a scholarship for golf. And then uh, I remember running into guys at the, there was a, it's called Cavendish Beach Music Festival. It's a country concert in uh, PEI. I remember running into Noah Dobson. He plays in the Islanders now. I was like, yeah, man, like, I don't know if I'll play hockey again. I think I might just go to the golf route. And at that point I was, I was 16. I was like 5'4", 130 pounds. So obviously wasn't right for junior. And then um, the following season played midget again and then, got drafted the sixth round, whatever. And then I didn't really know I could play in the NHL to the world juniors. Honestly, um, I was in the world juniors. I was like 13th, 12th, 13th forward and kind of found my stride and had a good tournament. And 
I was playing with a bunch of first rounders. I was like, Oh man, maybe I can do this. And um, yeah, I had a good finish to junior and then came in the pro and just kind of found my stride. So yeah, I wouldn't say to the world juniors to be honest with you. Yeah. So what, okay. So I so many questions. So what changed then you, you said you were like, what you were five, what five, four, a buck 60. So did you just have like a huge growth? No, no. Like maybe now yeah. that might've been exaggerated, but yeah. so, I mean, that's, that's the question I have is like, what, at what point was your play? Like, cause you went from like not making Nova Scotia to all of a sudden mentioning the world juniors. I'm like, so in between there, what was like the hump that you got over? Was it just like more maturity and physically maturing or what was it? I got a funny story. Grade 12. Um, I'm playing junior a I'm 5'11, 150 pounds. And, uh, our season ended early and there was two months left in school. And, uh, I was, I had this trainer, he was a football player on the university team back home. And he's, and he was a big old lineman. I was like, dude, what do I got to do? When I'm he's like, man, eat whatever for two months straight till the end of school. So I literally like, I would get 10, my mom would pack me like three sandwiches, like chips, you name it. And then she'd give me 10 bucks. So at lunchtime, I'd hop in one of the boys' cars, McDonald's, every day. Every McDonald's. day. <laughs> it's either like McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, like Tooney Tuesday. Like I had it all figured out. Wing night Wednesday. I was going to everything. Put on <laughs> put on 30 pounds in two months. Oh, my God. Okay, but were you like were you like some fat slob walking into the gym every day? The, like, I wouldn't be able to get up and down the ice. I just like didn't go on the ice, did nothing for two months. And, uh <laughs> It was like 180 pounds right before prom, but like, I was still 5'11", 180. So I was just like, not like fat, but just like, Oh, I need to see a picture of this. Oh man. Yeah, okay. I, fair I'll, enough. I'm for you. So, uh, and then I was like, Oh man, it's time to train this summer. I'm like, okay, I'm probably <laughs> wait, but I was able to maintain that. And I went into camp at uh 5'11", 185, um, played my first year junior and got drafted after that. that that's wow. So, so this is like pretty much the worst advice you could give to most kids <laughs> listening. Yeah, no, I, I just couldn't find any way. Like I was always doing stuff as a kid, so I could never keep weight on. I was playing golf, doing hockey, whatever. Yeah. So I, I just had that moment in grade 12. I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to school. So I might as well try. And then it just happened to work out. And then eight months later, I'm at Chicago draft for the NHL. It's just uh, crazy. It was a crazy Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, now you, at this point, uh, depending on where Connor Brown plays in the game, you are the oldest top six forward on the Sens roster most nights. Um, do you, wow. Like at 24 years old, how old do you feel? That's crazy. I never thought of that. Yeah, I guess with Formanton, Timmy, Josh, and Chucky, they're all younger than me. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 24. Yeah, I think when I hit 25, I'll be like, whoa. But uh, – <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I know you're going into year five next year. It's it's crazy how time flies. Yeah, I mean you know, like it just uh, yeah, I can't believe it. I remember uh, like I was watching the Belleville playoff game the other night. I'm like, man, it's over two years since I played there. Like it's it feels like it was yesterday. So uh, no, it's crazy. Okay, I got a legit question then about Belleville. When there's there's so much chatter about if you can win in the AHL, it teaches you into the NHL. I believe that is not true at all. I don't think there's any correlation to the two. Um, and I've heard players talk both ways, kind of depends if the coach is around or not. I don't know that winning in the AHL translates to the national hockey league. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I've had this conversation before. Um, I remember talking to, to Boro about it. I think when they won, they had a bunch of guys that played like the next year. And then, um, 
Same thing with like Cleveland. I think it was 2016. They won and then a bunch of guys go to Columbus. It's tough to say because I, yeah. I mean, I never played in the playoffs down there, but you know, my second year we had a, we were first place in the division, had an awesome team. Um, we're looking forward to the playoffs and I think it more helps you like, like off the ice. I mean, I never got to experience the playoffs. So for me, it was more off the ice, just like living with billets, everything's done with you, right? Where now you got to go out, you got to set up a credit card, you got to pay the phone bill, like you got to do everything for yourself. And I don't know, it just kind of helped me grow up off the ice I found, which, which helped me, you know, now in the NHL, I feel like, but it's hard to say, cause I never, I never sure. won anything or in the playoffs down there, but um, I mean, I'm sure it do- I'm sure it doesn't, uh, I'm sure it helps obviously uh, in the playoffs and stuff, but like I said, hard, hard to say for me. Speaking of playoffs, are you watching the National Hockey League playoffs? I have been, yeah. Uh, had nothing going on the last week, so I've been glued <laughs> to the couch overnight watching. <laughs> so is there any particular former Sens teammate that you're cheering for more than others to win the Cup? Yeah, I mean, I'm loving watching Pauly right now. Um, he made a great play. I think it was the game two in Toronto, and I just texted him after the game. He got right back right back to me after. I just loved it. It was like a fake shot backdoor. I was like, what a play, buddy. And he's like, thanks, buddy. Like, <laughs> a little chatter like that. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm watching all the games, obviously cheering on the Nova Scotian guys. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun hockey to watch. It's so much more physical than the regular season. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, hopefully experience that soon. Uh, it's fun watching. I couldn't imagine playing. Will you grow a playoff beard if you're in the postseason? Yeah, whatever beard that is, uh, <laughs> pretty scruffy one. But I, I mean, I give her a go for sure. I'm pretty lazy shaving it. I couldn't start. I didn't start shaving until last year, like probably 20 games into the season. Yeah, 23 <laughs> years old. So, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the nice, the nice thing of- is though. The nice thing now is that like the league is so young. As Wally mentioned, you're one of the older guys on the team. I feel like playoff beards are sort of going extinct. Like you don't really see them anymore. Right. Like it's mostly just young guys that have a little bit of scruff and like random, like pubic looking hairs on their face. So I don't think you've got to worry too much, Drake. No, I, I mean, I wish I could grow like my old man had a big one in COVID. So I'm like, okay, it's in, it's in the jeans somewhere. <laughs> but uh, no, we'll see. I would love to be able to do one. I would probably let her rip and get a mullet and just away we go, but that would be great. Yeah. So hopefully soon. <laughs> um, there's a picture that was floated on the internet of your grandfather. Uh, and I don't know, Matt, if you've seen it, it looks strikingly ridiculously like Daniel. Oh, I have. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. The cat, like, the captain there for the Cape Breton university yeah. for the yep. capers. Yeah. Like it's crazy how close they look together. Yeah, no, that's where that's where I learned it all from. That's where it all started from him. Uh, they won the national championship. I hear about it every time I hang out with them. So, <laughs> seen that on Twitter there yesterday or the day before, or whatever it was. It was, uh, you know, pretty cool. He's a, he's a legend there in Cape Breton. I feel like so. Um, that was cool to see. Uh, fantastic. Uh, do you have any summer plans to travel anywhere once the World Championships are over? Uh, not much. I'm not much of a traveler, to be honest. I never did it growing up, so I, maybe I'm just not used to it. But um, if I didn't go to World Championships, I probably would have gone to a beach for a week, all inclusive somewhere. But uh, yeah, not much. I got a nice spot on the water back home, so probably just hang out there and uh, do lots of fishing, lots of golfing, and 
Um, yeah, that's about it. Not much to be honest. I'm pretty laid back in the summer. I like uh, just chilling. A bunch of them at the end of the year went to Nashville on a golf uh, trip. Were you a little jealous of not being on that trip? Yeah, so I was supposed to go, and then uh, I canceled like probably a month before the season ended. The the worlds, like I was planning to go to the worlds, like the um, the whole month, last month of the season. So I told the boys that I couldn't go. I didn't know the dates or when I'd be leaving the world. So I just said I was out, and then I see all these videos of them golfing, and I don't leave to the worlds. I think they just finished it three days ago, so I wouldn't been able to do it. So no, they had a nice cabin right on the course, rented out so oh, pretty jealous awesome. yeah <laughs> well, i see uh, everybody's golfing alex formanton was at trump national i think he just posted the other day like it seems everybody's yeah. getting out and playing yeah. oh yeah I, golf's taking over i feel like it i feel like it's hard to get a tee time nowadays you know ever since covid everyone's joining i know yep. a bunch nope. of Mind, so. same issue here in ottawa it's the same thing the t-sheets full all the time because everyone's working remotely now right so they do put, punch in a couple hours at home and then they're on the course it's such a pain in the ass like today, today i'm driving down the main road and i see all these people out for runs i'm like what day is it it's a monday <laughs> yeah. back home at the dead zone like you don't even get a there's one car at the red light like yeah no i i guess yeah everyone's working online now so they're out walking yeah. their dogs or doing whatever so that's yeah, different <laughs> Uh, well, I don't want to keep you because I know you're getting, uh, you got to get going to Finland. So we appreciate the time, Drake. Uh, as always, we'll be cheering for you and watching all the highlights when you uh, light it up over there. You can dedicate one goal to meth, if you would. No. Thanks, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know how to finish that off. Yeah, Drake, good luck, man. Take care. As always, our thanks to Drake Batherson. Great interview. I, I thoroughly enjoy the guy because he's got a great personality, which is something you're seeing, I believe, more now in today's game than you used to see, Meth, right? Is a little bit of personality. Yeah. 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 He's and he's such a well-spoken kid. And you can tell he just has it all figured out. It looks like it looks like it would take a lot to rattle a player like Drake Batherson. That's the impression I get from him. He's just a chill yeah. guy, takes takes it one day at a time, doesn't get too excited. Okay, so I asked him an unfair question in the interview, and that is, would he rather play with Josh Norris or Tim Stutzler? Because what's he going to yeah, say? Yeah, that was a shady question, <laughs> but I respected it. I mean, nobody, but it but, is a legitimate one. But the know? point is, and he was very good with it, is they're two different players. So what be, like, what's better for your game is the question, I guess, I was looking for. And so right. where do you see him play? Would you rather him with potential 40-goal man Josh Norris? Or I don't even know if if Stutzler is a goal scorer or a setup guy, but I feel like he's perhaps more of a playmaker. And that's your, and that's the question. And, and Drake's a playmaker that does yes. have scoring touch. So yeah. it's sound the vibe, if you will, that I got from the interview. And I'm sure you're probably going to agree with me was that it looks like he'd rather stay up on that top line because you know, sure. you've got nothing but chemistry set with that. Like they, they, they've been playing together now, despite being so young, they they played a ton together now as a trio, right? So, yep. I, I I the vibe that I got was that he would rather stay on the top line, but then that would make sense. I mean, I don't think that's a slight at Tim Stutzla. Obviously, like they're all super good, close friends and all that. And Stutzla is an incredible talent. Yeah, yeah. A, a player like Stutzla, you need a shooter. You need to go after a guy like a shooter that can that can obviously get up and down the ice. You yep. know, we're talking about a really good player here, of course, but. 
They need a player that can play with him. They can put the puck in the back of the net. Kostitzla with his foot speed, how he draws all those, all the, his opponents towards him in the D zone. Like when, when, when Timmy has the puck and he's doing those like laps and he's carrying it around, he's got it on his tape. Everybody gets drawn to that, whether it's just staring at him or they, it gets guys out of position. That's where having that trigger, man. I don't want to say like a Josh Norris. I know you can't just find 30, 40 goal scores anywhere, but get a guy that can find those soft spots around the, the, the face-off dots and set up shop. I mean, that's going to be a deadly second line. So I think, I, I feel like you would agree with me on that, Wally. Well, people are currently yelling at whatever device they're watching this on going, Kevin Fiala, Claude Giroux. I, yeah, uh, and I don't, I don't see it. Like, like I, G, do I. Giroux will never hurt you. He's a terrific player, but he's still, he's a bit of a setup guy. He can sh- and I hate saying that because he's not just a setup guy. He's another goal scorer, but G is an older player now. Yeah. We have to stop going after those old guys. And, and, and with, and beyond that, I don't even see him coming here. I mean, it sounds, sounds like he's loving his time in Florida and I'm not going to make any assumptions for him. Cause I don't, I'm not texting him or talking to him, but I can't imagine him coming back over to Ottawa over the off season. I don't see it happening unless he wins a cup, maybe. But other than that, I don't see it happening, but they need to go after a guy. Fiala is a good option. I agree there, Wally. Yeah. That is a great option. I feel like that's the only player that I've been that I've heard being floating around here for the last six months. Yeah. There's got to be some, there's got to be other options. Well, too, that's, we'll, yeah. See, and I think that's the trade market, right? You've got to get to the trade market, which leads you back to the seventh overall pick on and on. Exactly. I think, you won't I, I know until available. you get there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. So my point would be if they can't find that top six guy, then Drake Batherson almost has to play with Tim Stutzla. Because that so you way, think, you, okay. Because if you do that, yeah, you, so you like think he'll play on Batherson, that second line? Well, if you leave Batherson with Norris and Kachuk, you don't have a legit second line that can wheel around, right? You need Stutzla with another quality top six guy, and that's why I think you got to break it up if that's what if they don't get the top six. But are yeah, we overlooking Connor Brown once again? Connor Brown could score twenty goals. I, yeah, we, we. I don't think we're overlooking him because he's such a smart player. Um, I worry about slight regression. Like he's a great player. I'm not chirping Connor Brown. Like I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I do worry about the regression and playing at that speed. Like Tim's a very fast skater yeah. and I don't know who they're going to put on that left side, but it could be a player like Joseph or Formanton yeah. or, or, or vice versa, I guess, left or right, depending on which player, but you, you have to understand that if you got those two together and Brown could skate. So I got to be careful here. Cause he, he, I, his foot speed surprises me at times. Um, but, um, I just, I worry about the longevity moving forward and it would be that much more beneficial to have a younger guy come in and like stick with this line for the next couple seasons. Then you develop yeah. legitimate chemistry over your top two lines. So, but you're right though, Wally Connor Brown has been overlooked in this conversation. I just don't think he's the long-term solution is all I, I'm saying. I, I understand. I, I just think we, as a group don't appreciate Connor Brown's ability uh, as Agreed. much as we should. That's all. I agree. Um, I agree. By the way, I'd like to welcome into the show now, as we always do each and every show, uh, Craig, brought to you by Gong Show Gear. Go to gongshowgear.ca. Uh, look under collaborations with the Wally Mathot gear and pick up some Wally Mathot merchandise, as always. Uh, Craig, it's nice to see you and your playoff hey, beard, which is going to lead me into uh, postseason and how, like meth, I thought maybe you'd grow a playoff beard this year. Is did you enjoy the playoff beard uh, tradition, uh, or is it just become annoying? 
we when we so when we won the Memorial Cup with London because they do the playoff thing in junior with the beards. It's we usually, all made I it, thought it was the dying of the hair bleach blonde. Well, there was that too. Yeah, we you look back, eh? And I'm like, we were like, you look like a clown, but that's just <laughs> I feel like that's hormones and being a teenager and thinking yeah. you're just cool and different. But <laughs> like, man, but and my point is that last year when we did win, we went the whole way saying like we made a collective agreement just to shave like we were clean shaven we're the only clean shaven at the mem cup at the memorial cup i shouldn't call it the mem cup and um but then at the nhl level i'm a little older i can finally grow a beard so like that last playoff run i had with ottawa that was the longest i ever had it i like it i think for some guys it looks good i mean it looks scary you look a little meaner um it's a fun little thing to do, you know, during the playoffs as it progressively gets longer. So I'm okay with it. I had, I had all my shaving products with me on the road, Wally. Like I'd bring my, my <laughs> beard oil and I try to straighten it a little bit as, as much as I could going to the game at Madison square garden. And then of course the Pittsburgh series, it was that much longer, but uh, I missed that. I liked, I was a fan of it. Was there grooming tips uh, in the locker room about how to control <laughs> no, the beard? No. I don't remember. No, Eric because Carlson's it's funny, right? Like being very much. I figured well, and, if there's, and a lot of if there's not one guy can grow. Yeah. Yes. But not everybody can grow a legitimate one. Like look at Craig. He's got like a full beard. Yeah. You and me, Wally, don't grow full ones. Mine's I feel like I'm sort of in between you and Craig where, and you're probably more like baby faced, right? Wally, is that fair? Well, no, but mine just comes in gray. So you can't see it. Okay. Grow it out. Well, yeah, you no, no, no. I, so like early on, I, I was tired of shaving because that's how I used to have to do it for my career all the time. I could never have facial hair. So there was a couple episodes in and I didn't shave and it. People were like, you need to stop and shave right now. I know, so, but Wally, you have to let it get. So if you only let it go for like, you know, four or five days, then it just kind of looks like you're disheveled and, you know, you've been on a bender or something, but if you <laughs> let know. it go for like a week or two and it starts to actually come out, then it looks good. I, I'd like to see what you look like. Okay, Craig well, and I I'll have never see. seen it. I, yeah, I've seen stubble, nobody. but that's about it. Yeah, I've never had a, I've never probably gone more than two weeks without shaving, I don't think. I went an entire regular season once. I mean, let the beard really? grow. It was ridiculous. It was like nine. Yeah, I remember it was, uh, it was after the 2017 run because I was talking with Freddie Clayston and he was talking about how fun it is to grow the beard out, but his doesn't grow that good or something. Yeah. And we made, he, he was like, I oh, should grow it out for the year. And I was like, let's do it. And he forgot about two weeks into it. And then, but I, I was like, ah, let's see what happens. And I like, it, I figured by the time we got to stay, like, it was like, it was huge. So it was fun. But I mean, that's the fun thing, right? It's like, you get to do it. You're around the, around the guys a little bit. It's something fun to do. Yep. Media guys don't tend to do the playoff beards that much though. Well, I wasn't allowed. So maybe even though at Movember, they wouldn't let you have facial hair except for like four people on air. So, um, Bobby Ryan is always comes to mind as a guy that never had a playoff beard. When you had teammates, Beth, that didn't, get on board with the playoff beard was was there anything said or are you just like oh whatever just do what you want we didn't care i, I okay. wish i had like a juicy funny comment but like you don't care once the, you're so once the playoffs start up you're so focused on yourself you know because yeah. there's so much pressure and stress you're not worried about another guy's facial hair it just doesn't work that way so if someone wants to shave they can shave it's the whole superstition thing though that's gone. Like guys are still grooming their beards during the playoffs. They're cleaning you up the neck. necks. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, do the like neck. you don't want it's that so dirty, bad. scruffy oh. looking neck. It's just gross. rubbing on your gear, and it's oh. like it's it's gonna do more harm than good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember like I, not active? Like I think of Joe Thornton 
with that big and Brent Burns, that big long beard. If like you get into scrums and people start giving you face washes, they're going to start pull. I, I'm assuming they're pulling on that. Like it's got to get uncomfortable at some point. No, I mean we saw what we saw Thornton get one. We saw it once happen. Oh, the big clump of hair. Audrey pulled his hair and then they yeah. fought. And there's like a huge chunk on the ice, right? <laughs> but it didn't look like he lost anything. That's how thick that thing was. But uh, how Thornton grows that beard out and how fast he's able to do it is incredible. I don't know what he's taking, but. Um, that thing has a mind of its own. Yeah. When all right, when we take a summer break, I will see if my wife will let me grow out a beard. Yeah, in the summertime though, I feel like well, I don't have any other time, time I, to do it. But if you do it during the the season, and people are like, "Why does his face look so messed up?" Because he's okay. trying to grow it. Well, maybe start it up. Start it up in like August. Right. You know what I mean? We'll see. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair I don't enough. know where we're going with that, but well, no, Greg, I just, how you I, doing, man? I'm good, man. I just realized we're dressed the exact same. So that's what I was, I was worried about here. Like, shit. I kind of look like mini math because you're jacked. Anyway, it's fine. I, I, we should have swapped this earlier, but I didn't. Anyways, it's all good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I want to see Brent's beard is what I want to see. No, nobody wants that. Um, so who's, right, who's well, allowed to grow facial? Hold on a second. Who's allowed to grow facial hair on TSN? You said that you said, uh, at the you time, be like a certain. You have to yeah, be a desk it, guy, probably was, in Toronto. Is that kind of the uh, Gino Retta, uh, Jay and Dan, and I think Rod Smith were the only ones okay. uh, that were allowed. I don't believe any reporter. The rule used to be you could have facial hair, but you couldn't yeah. grow it during the season. So basically, you yeah, either you had a full, full beard, beard or you didn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. Like I worked all the time. I would never be allowed. I could never grow it. So, uh, I, you yeah. know what though? I, I can understand it, Wally. Cause you guys always look so professional. Like when you were always working and you're, you got the clean shave, like it just, uh, to me, at least it looks very professional. So I can see, kind of understand it. I agree to a point, but then you see like you or was Aaron Ward or, or I don't know, Marty Biron, like all the former players that do it. It doesn't look disheveled. You don't look like a no, mess. I agree. I agree. So, I think, yeah, that's I, fair. I think at some point, like on all stuff, you may have to and f- funny for me to say, relax a little, but I think you got to relax a little uh, and maybe, <laughs> and maybe let uh, some of that stuff go. Like Kevin, Kevin BX is another one, right? Like they don't, he doesn't look terrible. That's just, that's the way he no. looks. Yep. Like you look funny look. when you shave. I know. I know. Thank you. <laughs> like you look 10 years younger. That's okay. I don't get offended by that. If it was up to me, I'd grow it all the time, but I, I get worried. You know, you're going to TV and you're like, are you going to get a phone call after no. telling you to shave it? Cause that'd be pretty humiliating. So no. I, I try to find got, a happy medium. It's funny you say that there's a playoff series in uh, Toronto uh, first round, obviously with Ottawa and my executive producer calls me at the time, uh, but it's during a live hit. So I can't answer the phone. So I call him uh, Brent Mark, call me back. I'm like, mm. and we never chat usually. Uh, so I call him back. Hey, Mark, what's going on? He's like, that tie you're wearing. I'm like, yeah, don't wear it again. Like, <laughs> okay. That was it. Oh, that's that tough. Tie again. And, and you know, you just, you just gotta be like, oh, you know, my kids bought me this for Christmas well, or you, you try to funny. guilt them a little bit. Cause it was just, I think as we were switching over to HD or whatever, but the tie, I think the lines were too busy. So we kept, it would oh, just do that right. funny wave. So yeah. I was like, yep. Okay, never uh, doing that again. She gone. Yeah. It was a all purple psych- tie. That's psychedelic all I tie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, boys. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, you're watching the Wally Mathod Show. Take care.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.